Hello. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good, Daniel. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It is evening. I had a really long week and I've got a glass of wine and we are recording the podcast as promised. So I am back in Sweden. You are back in Manchester. So everything is sort of back through some sort of... Uh, Equilibrium. <laughs> great word, I think, for that. All right. Brilliant. How are you? I'm good, yeah. I'm, I've had a, a less stressful week than you, by the sounds of it. Um, I am working on one or two projects at work, which is nice. I'm starting to get a good mix um, of things. So I'm just uh, dipping my fingers into various little projects at the moment, which is great. It's uh, just to um, experience sections of a project rather than one whole project. You kind of feel like those tutors at university that drop in and out and always have the best ideas because they're coming completely fresh into something. And I'm realizing actually that's just that what comes from being fresh into a project. You skip out all the shitty bits and you do the good bits. So I, I've had a good week. I've been enjoying doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I have some sort of fantasy about being a creative director and that being everything, everything that I do, you know? I grow, just I'll, dropping I'll grow, it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll grow like a handlebar moustache. I'll start wearing three-piece suits. And then I'll just have like fantastic ideas. And, you know, that every, everything will be just brilliant. I think I know who you're basing your mind on there. No, well, no, not at all. This is this is free fun. Um, so yeah, good. Um, should we? We so you were in uh, not North Korea. You were in South Korea. Um, <laughs> yeah. Importantly, uh, last time we spoke, um, you were actually right at the end of the conference. So you uh, flew back. How was traveling? Traveling was all right. I mean, how was jet lag? That must have been a, it's eight hours. That's pretty serious. Jeez. Jet lag was a nightmare because basically you go to the conference and you jet lag and, you know, you have all this new food and a lot of sort of representation activities uh, mm -hmm. in the evenings, which means that you might not sleep too well uh, or too much at least, plus mm -hmm. the jet lag. And then you come home and I had a lot of work stacked up, so I worked really long hours last week. So, yeah, I was pretty shattered when Friday came around. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, that was, that was. And you didn't have a bank holiday weekend to recover because you're in Sweden. I did too. You did? Yes. Oh, did you have a bank holiday Friday because Labor Day? Yes. Ah, so we got the bank holiday Monday for other reasons. Yeah, so all the lefties were out uh, protesting on the streets and I... Uh, I don't know, because I was cause, because um, my wife Sasha was over, and I was thinking that uh, you know maybe I should have more than one towel in my commuting flat. So I went down. So I went down town, and I found an open shop, and I bought an extra towel. And then I felt that all the sort of super hardcore communists would be very upset because I engaged in an act of. Um, capitalism on labor day and maybe they'd be very upset with it uh, so we don't have we don't have a we don't celebrate labor day here i don't think we've got any left-wing people sort of left if you we've got the election tomorrow and uh, we seem to have middle right a little bit further right and then not quite as far right as the american left surely appears to be our choices surely dave sweeney and gordon hush makes two yeah there's there are two there are a couple but unfortunately they're not in a position to 
fix the country. Yeah. Actually, in, in in Scotland, there are plenty in a position to fix the country, which is why Scotland is is further on the road to being fixed than the rest of the UK. <laughs> I was um, just going to say they're not in a position to fix things; they're in the pub. <laughs> also true <laughs> of the politicians as well as uh, the uh, exalted staff of the art school. And see, that's um, a, that's a really interesting. We talked a little bit about um, sort of cultural differences here a while back, and I suggested that we would have a um, well, a custom-made bottle of gin to give the employees. It's a nice uh, sort of end-of-season gift, uh, which I, I thought would be lovely for a design company. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but that is totally unacceptable here. Like, you must not insinuate that anyone might be drinking alcohol. Whereas in the UK, the economists are doing all of their interviews with the prominent politicians in the pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this week's episode was N- Nigel Farage in the pub. Oh, he's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but yeah, all the other ones. Yeah, but he's got a pint glass arrow dieted to his hand. But I, I do see your point. That, that, that was hilarious. Also... That was hilarious, though, because they had really big problems with like people sort of starting shouting things at them in the middle of the interview. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, there, and those were the supporters. There, there, but even like even in the in the industry, um, our very very good friends at O Street, um, this this uh, on Friday are having their um, sort of every few months the last one was just after i left so it must be every kind of three months they have an open studio with beer as the main draw and an exhibition in the space and it's standard it's what we do you know yeah no, i know i i do i i really miss it actually like it, it's mm-hmm. uh, I, I do find it um quite nice the funny thing about the economist series i'm just going to go back to it before i drop it is the and i and i do encourage any listener to go back and listen to it is the interview with with boris where he's sort of exaltedly shouts for sandwiches in the middle of it. <laughs> well, yes, and then threw them at people, probably. Well, I don't know. In his, in his Bullingdon Club ways. Yes, yes, it's sort of nah. dis- disheveledly. Um, so, yeah. Charismatic, I think, is the modern term for disheveled. Small tuck aside, <laughs> have you noticed anything prominent in the world? Last two weeks. Yes. So, um... This is an article that's on the BBC, so that tends to imply that it was somewhere else a couple of months ago and I missed it. Um, but I think it's it's interesting, so I'm going to bring it up. Um, I said interesting again. That was one of my buzzwords I put in the podcast last week that I was going to say less of because I said it constantly during the last episode and when I was editing it, it hurt my brain. Um, so notably, um, Airbus, um, towards the end of last year, um, were running out of time to produce an order. So they ran um, it's a thousand, more than a thousand parts uh, through 3D printing um, for a production aircraft to reduce the, uh, the production time that was required. Um, so I think that's a really good development of, the, uh, of that particular uh, technology. So uh, obviously the, the plastics 3D printing is well, well developed. You've got multiple versions with incredibly different uses. In our own studio, we have a very rough prototype, which is coming up on 10 years old now. We use for really rough models, rather essentially rather than blue foam modeling. Um, and then we outsource. Um, but metal sintering has been a great challenge. Um, even in laboratory environments, small fluctuations in the laser which you need produce stress marks in the metal. So I talked to some 3D printers just a couple of months ago, and they said that that technology was, was not ready to be rolled out yet. And I knew it was been used in some military application, but 
Apparently now it is deemed good enough to be used by a major airline, which, let's face it, airlines are not necessarily at the forefront of technological development, um, in their aircraft simply to speed up production. Um, so I thought that was a really notable story. I thought that was a, um, a, a worldwide company using a new technology, um, something which gets a lot of stick in the press, 3D printing, even though it's definitely finding its place. I, I was someone who thought it didn't really have a place for a long time, and now it's finding its place. So that was notable. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I sort of of the opinion that it's sort of still finding its place, but it's definitely one of those things. It's moving incredibly fast. And as, as a technology, mm-hmm. uh, the pace that it's gaining traction at is you know, unparalleled, really. Yeah, and this is... This is a, a shift as well. This is now, it's now no longer seen as a prototyping tool. It's a manufacturing tool. It's not something which, um, you know, prototypes are allowed to not quite work. If you're design, if you're, I don't know what they printed, but if you're printing fan blades or titanium blades for a jet engine, it's got to work. Yeah, no. it's got, it's now got to the point where it is recognized as being a strong manufacturing process. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they think, I mean, I sort of feel that that was always coming, but the fact that it's actually here is really notable. And I, and I think it's interesting as well, like what you say is just a couple of months ago, you know, you were very skeptic of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe not, a couple, but a couple of years ago, certainly when we were at the, so where the first 3D printer I encountered was when I was doing my A-levels, um, where my school bought one. And it was a uh, sort of one of the, the earlier ones where you had uh, uh, one... A trough of powder you had another plate it printed glue dragged powder across and you got kind of i don't know tenth of a millimeter layers probably um and then i went to the art school where we encountered my first printing one um, which is a traditional kind of what you think of as a traditional 3d printer now that prints two layers two types of plastic and you break the brittle plastic off then when i was studying at the bauhaus um we went to a competition in uh frankfurt where it was the first team to build a 3D printer and use the 3D printer to print the parts of the second 3D printer won 3D printing kits. So that was like, they're almost producing themselves. And then when I was living in the north of Scotland, um, my very good friend up there um, started buying 3D printers in varying scales and producing just the most beautiful things where you can't see the layers, especially when they're finished and they're gorgeous and structurally sound. And so over the course of, well, let's say 2007. So over the course of the last eight years, the technology's just changed and it's finding the space. It's really good. It's always really interesting when new technologies like 3D printing it takes place in the world. It's a little bit like sort of the digital economy or, or the presence of the computers that we've got now and just sort of how it struggles a little bit in the beginning. If you look at it retrospectively, you know, it's very easy to see a pattern, when, but when you're in it, you know, mm-hmm. it's very easy to think it's a fad. I mean, yeah. I think that's probably because you, you reflect back and we think of the successes, whereas there are hundreds of things which didn't succeed. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, in the moment, you're seeing all of them, which is a, a challenge to... I guess that's where the money lies, isn't it? When you can uh, spot the things which are going to succeed. Yes. You, you mentioned... Um, the, I, I can't remember why this has jumped into my mind, but I think it's an interesting thing as well that we should throw out there. Um, there was an article on Design Week this week about uh, um, Microsoft versus Apple. 
And so I've always used Apple as a great example of service design. So the way that their, their um, devices link together, the way that they have that 3D, 3D, that physical shop environment you can go into where everything is slick and seamless and kind of makes you feel that you want those products. And um, this article talks about Apple are now a hardware manufacturer. They're linked to devices. Their future is device. Whereas Microsoft is dropping device. Microsoft is the cloud. Microsoft is about this service across all devices. It doesn't matter whether they're produced by Apple or Samsung or any manufacturer. They don't care. They're ambivalent to devices now. Which I was, I'd never thought of it in that way. I'd always thought of Apple as being great service with 3D, but actually they're becoming increasingly a 3D product. You have to buy into the product and then you'll get the supported services rather than buy the services and then find a supported product. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's what they said about the, um, the iPad, you know, that was the, the Trojan horse. It was cheap enough to get you into the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And then things played well with it, so you sort of upgraded the things around it. You know, I, I mm-hmm. guess we're sort of getting a little bit off track here, but, but in, in, mm-hmm. in a sentence, what's your take on the new Mac? Um, I saw the keynote and I have seen nothing else. So my take on it is um, that it's certainly not coming to my sphere yet. I've not noticed it. I've not seen anyone using it, carrying it. I've not heard anything of it. I've walked through the Apple store several times recently. I've not noticed it. So I've got nothing to say on the massive subject, really. How about you? Well, for the right person, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's maybe like a little bit too narrow a use case. Yeah. But I may be wrong. But uh, jump back to the new Mac Pro. Yeah. Which is relatively new, like a year ago. That is a beautiful device. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's so different from anything else out there, which is kind of cool. It's very, that's the most innovative thing I think they've done, you know, that they've, they've stripped, they've said a computer doesn't have to be a, a block box. It can be a different shape. It can have draw energy, draw air in different ways to reduce the size of the highest performance computer we've got. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. You know, that's why they made it, it look str- like a trash can. Yeah, that is true. And it gets fingerprints really easily. No, but I mean, I mean so- like, 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 I agree with you about these things. I mm-hmm. just, like, from a design perspective, I guess I'm not necessarily sure that it's consistent with the rest of the uh, family. It doesn't, no, it doesn't speak Mac. It, it does look like a trash can. That aside, really have you heard that Reddit are launching their own video service? No, I haven't. And my experience of Reddit is very narrow. So as far as I was aware, Reddit is somewhere that you share links and then people can upvote it, downvote it, or comment on it. And it's always wound me up because whenever I've looked at it and I click on the link, it doesn't open in a new window and I get taken away from Reddit and I have to go back to Reddit. And that's 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 my entire experience of Reddit. Yeah, you should really have a word of No, but I mean, it was, so, so Reddit has evolved a little bit from that to a place where people have sort of genuine discussions about, uh, about topics. Mm-hmm. I think it's really funny that you probably know more, like you, you belong to this really special demographic that probably have a greater appreciation of like 4chan than Reddit. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was an expert in 4chan either, I'm going to be honest. No, right, but just because just I did my dissertation sort of tangential to 4chan, mm-hmm. and it sort of bothered you with it. But Reddit is, I guess, 
commonly known as the front page of the internet. And it is a really public place, really popular place to have discussions on any topic and really, uh, or quite commonly famous people go on there uh, and have an hour or two sessions where you can ask them anything. So, you know, a wide range of people have done, you know, everything from celebrities to astronomers such as Neil deGrasse Tyson. And if you you are interested in any subject, I, I do recommend check it out. They started their podcast, what, 16 weeks ago? And, and it's really scoring really quite highly. And now they are launching their video service, uh, still focusing on uh, original content. So you'll be... So you'll be embedding video into Reddit or is this a different kind of thing which sits alongside and is just a, an alternative to YouTube or where, where does it sit in in the website ecosystems? The, the, the way I understand it, it sounds like they're, they're, they're wanting to produce their own video stuff. Ah. So I think I think that this is a uh, sort of move towards monetizing the site. So is this heading kind of BuzzFeed video? kind of thing where they're producing original content on the site. Yeah. Okay. That's my take on it. And I'm not, um, you know, like I'm not an expert on Reddit. I should really get my brother, who is a keen listener to the podcast. Shout out to you. Come on, discuss Reddit. And so that'd be, be a fun podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter is a very opinionated young man. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just an interesting thing because as we're sort of moving towards a more mature internet, the monetization of a couple of these services is sort of becoming, you know, key or necessary and it's changing the way that we're interacting uh, with the internet and the services that are really popular. So uh, I just thought it was noteworthy. So, so, so check it out. And if you're not on Reddit, you certainly should be on Reddit. You too don't. I shall have a look at Reddit. I'm looking at Reddit now. It it seems to fit into this this category of sites which has Craigslist in it, which is sites which have not changed since HTML went out of fashion. <laughs> I, like it it does not look formatted. Yeah, I think Reddit Reddit actually sort of evolves <laughs> very carefully, but it's got a traditional forum. Uh, yeah, but you can you can get clients for Reddit as well. Okay, that, that make it look nice. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's about information, right? This is about text. Mm -hmm. so, so what you really want is uh, for, for the text to be readable and approachable. That's true. You don't really engage with it the way you would engage. Is, is that what you want? Or does it want to be in a position where the people who feel that Reddit is, is theirs get to scream and shout anytime any little thing has changed and so maintain the site in a way that only they can access it. I think it's a bit bigger than that. Okay. Yeah, I think accessibility is key here. Like, it's just too big. Then why do links not open in new windows? <laughs> this bothers me. It's on a website which is, yeah. which is about linked content. Yeah, well... Maybe it's my browser. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should have a, uh, you know, maybe you should call Alexis uh, Ohanian and have a chat. It's 
funny. I've got his number somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm um, sure. I'm sure it's in your sort of company list. You work for a fancy, yeah, fancy agency. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Cool. What are we going to talk about this week? Okay, so we're going to talk about giving feedback to your company, as opposed so, to your feedback. No, as opposed to your company talking about how greatly or poorly you have uh, performed the last uh, quarter. Yeah. So. This comes from, I had my end of probation uh, review this week, which went very well. I'm still there. Um, but part of that was that I had comments which I wanted to give to the company. So things I felt which um, we could uh, improve or we could uh, develop or strengths that we weren't utilizing. And I found it really difficult to work out how I should bring that up because what you're essentially saying is thank you very much for giving me a job I'm glad you like me here's where I think we should change which is a weird thing to say to the hand that feeds you but if you don't say that then maybe the hand that feeds you won't continue <laughs> feeding you or being in a position to feed you so I think it's really important that, that we as as staff or however we want to term ourselves, feel comfortable and able to talk to people, talk to our seniors about not just the good things. So um, this was actually something that I was going to write to uh, Mike and Jesse on Let's Make Mistakes about. Um, and then um, I didn't because other things happened and I really should have done. Although I have just found out... Um, they have, I was listening to the, their podcast today, and Mike has a, uh, a new-ish website, which is about young designers asking questions and senior designers answering them. So it might well be on there. And I can't remember the URL to look it up as we speak. Um, but yeah, so I, I just went for it. Um, the people I work for, I'm sure, is the same as everyone. Um, they're really good. I'm lucky enough to have bosses and directors that I feel totally comfortable approaching kind of goes with my personality as well I'm not someone that will sit down and and, and nod and smile and I've also as I've moved to a new space in a new town I've made it a rule for myself that I'm gonna tell people what I think and I'm not gonna back away and I'm not gonna um, not say something because it's difficult to say which is I've done a, or I'm also gonna say yes to things when people ask me to do things that i I wouldn't normally do and things like that. So I'm making a big effort. So it's something that's challenging and really important. I wonder how other people deal with that situation with approaching bosses or seniors and saying, look, I think we need to change how we're doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th I think this is a really tricky, tricky thing. Because, I mean, like I've been having to have a couple of these discussions, not in the sort of formal feedback sense that that you've had them, but in other ways where, where I'm involved in a lot of sort of internal brand building. And I, I find it especially tricky with like founders, you know, because mm -hmm. it's their baby and, and, uh, you know, like a really classic example with growing companies is, is fonts. Right. Yeah. So, so I, uh, you know, have uh, realized that I feel really strongly about 
copyright, for example. Like, you know, the, the more I work, I'm just like, you know, like, this is really important that we as professionals, you know, we honor this. Like, it like we can steal, but we shouldn't. You know, and, and the reason mm -hmm. is not that we're going to get caught is because like we make these things and our friends make these things. And this is like an important ethical standpoint to take as creatives. You know? Definitely. This is not something that we do. But then when you say that to someone who has a different background and they're used to the internet as um, like, like as a private medium, you know, they think that these things are free and then the, the problem you end up in like in my case is, you know, it, it's, it's all very well to take the more, like to do the morally right thing and say like, I really think that, you know, we need to do, uh, we need to follow, follow rules and regulations because we're a big company, you know. Uh, but the problem you end up in is that you're, you're telling someone who's a lot more senior than you that they have been breaking the law for 10 years, <laughs> right? Which is a really sensitive thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I really struggle with this. It's like a balance thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's especially, I imagine, difficult. Well, I know as someone who's new yeah. to a company, and you, you don't quite know the dynamics. You don't know how things go down or how to sell ideas to different people within the company. But on top of that, when you're new, you're in the best position because you're fresh eyes. You're coming in with this this background which hasn't been curated by an environment that you've the, the environment you're going into, and you see these things. So it's both the best and the worst time to have to have these conversations. Yeah, and it's not the same old nag as well, because I think like when you've been in a company for a while, like you know, like the the the, the you know the managers, the powers that be, mm -hmm. like they just hear the same things over and over and over, and and some of them are just regulating; they can't do anything about it, and it's just. You know, and some of it's just sort of the way it is, right? So, um, so how did you approach it? I'm, I'm really curious. Um, so I went into into my, my review, um, and yeah, I had no idea what 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 a review was going to be. I knew that I had a, an end of probation review. I, a date was set. I, I turned up. Um, actually, I initiated it. I sent the email saying, "I'm coming to the end of my probation. I'd like a." to have this review meeting, which I think kind of sets the tone that you, you want to get this done. Um, and uh, they gave me their feedback on me. And um, I kind of thought, oh, maybe, maybe I won't say, won't say anything. And then an opening was given to me with, um, what do you think? And I, so I gave my piece on me. And I'd also, I've made, been making notes for the last couple of weeks, just on a page in my sketchbook, like I should say this, I should say that. And I had it down as um, positive me, negative me, um, thoughts about the company, any other business. Um, so I went through positive me, negative me, which is being honest about myself. I think if you're honest, then people are more likely to respect what you say. And they're more likely to be thinking it as well. And if you confirm it, it gives you them an opportunity. Because in a review like this, it's they're checking that you're in the right position and you're comfortable. And if you're not, there's two ways of going around that. You can sit in the same place until you're comfortable or you can say, actually, I think I'm doing the wrong thing here. I think I'm maybe being pigeonholed here and maybe I can change that and maybe I should be working in a slightly different capacity. And you've worked with these guys for X number of months now, so you've got that respect. Luckily, I didn't have too much like that at all. Um, but then I just went on. I just decided to say, so these are, I've got two thoughts 
about the company, which I think um, I'd like to raise because I think other people might have noticed them as well. So I was very concise and then both of those things um, were agreed with and I kind of expanded on them. So I did it in a way where I could backpedal, really, which is maybe a little bit cowardly, but um, it was a way where they then gave me the opening to go in because these people who are growing a company want need that feedback as well. And I think that however much certain people don't want to hear it, I think in a way they're aware that they need to. Because if you're running a successful company that's taking on new hires, you've not got there through ignoring what other people, well, hopefully, you've not got there through ignoring what other people are saying. So although we might find it difficult, I think, I think you've just got to go for it, <laughs> which is pretty useless advice. But I think that's the approach I took and it worked. I just, I prepared, so I knew I wasn't going to waffle. I had my points and also balance it, you know, shit sandwich, good, bad, good. <laughs> and go with it. Yeah, I think I think that you, you're hitting on something really good there, which is like, you know, take it really seriously and do prepare. Yeah. You know, like if you want to give feedback, write it down, figure out what you want to say and what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. and, and also use these times to give feedback based on your experience. So don't throw general things out there. Be able to justify what you're saying. So be able to go in with examples, you know, in this project, we could have done this, which would have improved this, but we didn't because there's a systemic thing or, but have, have examples, not just a, a general feeling. If you've got a general feeling, you can air that. That's great. But it's not something to take into a, a situation where you're saying, look, I think we need to change this. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Cause likewise, these people who've got there through listening to people, are running a company they want evidence of things that maybe they might need to make a small investment in or maybe it's a change to the way that their their culture is they need evidence they want evidence give it to them we're all capable of collecting it we're designers it's our job to notice when people do things differently and to take note and wonder how we can use that that's our job we're doing it all the time no i i uh, i guess i couldn't agree more you know it's but it's very easy to, to sort of sit here and say that and then it actually takes and courage to uh, yeah. to pull through and uh... maybe another way of looking at it is if you're working somewhere where you feel uncomfortable saying that you're seeing something that you don't think should be happening maybe it's not an environment that you want to be working in ah see i think you've been listening too much to mike montero <laughs> um, maybe well i'm i'm not i'm not sure though about that being too much i think i mean that, that's a really wise point and but that again comes back to having the courage or just being in the position in life to move because mm -hmm. I think I think you know as designers we talk a lot about these opportunities you know like you want to give feedback to your company or you know like maybe you're working in the wrong place if you're not doing the optimal thing and there is something about just like you know like maybe you have kids and or mm -hmm. You know, you got you got a tough student loan. There's different things, and sometimes you just gotta make rent. That's true. Um, and and I think there is a danger to being too dismissive about that. Like maybe you're not in the perfect position. You know, maybe you're working for a company. You're not super happy. You're not like unhappy, mm -hmm. but you don't feel comfortable going into the founders and saying that like you know what, like I think we should change these different things. 
that might be for different reasons, they might be personal, but like maybe you're just, you know, like maybe what you need to do in 2015 is just like, you know, you're just going to make rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, yeah, there is a danger to that though, because you must not get complacent. Because 2015 becomes 2016. Becomes yeah. 2017 and then all of a sudden you're the guy that just does what what he does yeah right so so like there's a danger of that becoming churn but i do think that like in the design community there's a a tendency of sometimes being a little bit too optimistic or dismissive about that sort of part of it Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's when you play the politics game you know if you are not in a position to want to take those risks Maybe that's when you locate the person in the company who is, and you just feed them. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, or, or maybe you just, you know, do really good work that's going to take you to, like, the next position, or... Yeah, uh, yeah, there is that as well, suck it and see. Yeah, yeah. Thinking, thinking, maybe we should be looking for someone who has these answers and having a guest on the podcast because we've not had a guest on the podcast this year and it's nearly, well, it's May. So I think we, we need to find a, a, a guest. We need to find a guest. I'm not sure if we've got a guest who has the answers to these questions because I'm not sure if anyone really has the answers to these questions. I think people can probably all only do what I've just done and relate their experience and how it rolled out for them. And Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean like, I think you have the answers there. Like, you know, you want to be in a place where you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. You want to be strategic about it. You want to relate it to yourself. Uh, you know, take it very seriously. Like these are that these are the right answers. The tricky thing is how to get there, and it seems to be a very individual story. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, for sure. Let's get another guest on. Get, let's get another individual story and see if we can get any clarity, or if it just uh, continues to be this big bowl of M and M's. Big ball of M and M's, I like. Yeah, no, I think it, it may well be. So yeah, you you just did a nice summing up of, of what I um, spent a long time waffling through there. Um, That's why they call me a great listener, which is a key trait <laughs> of a designer. When most people are not listening, they're simply waiting for their turn to talk, or making yeah. really like fancy doodles in their sketchbooks. <laughs> Then, I have noticed that. And then you sort of um, post those on Pinterest and like up your cloud. And then, you know, you get... some great, great people who make really intense drawings during meetings. Because you end up in a lot of conference calls where you don't really need to be there for a lot of it. So there's a lot of drawing which goes on. A lot of post-it notes gets used for drawing on rather than anything else. <laughs> no writing, just little doodles during... Uh, I, I was in a conference call today. And it took me, well, I was asked to jump on a conference call halfway through with someone who hadn't talked to before, which is a really stressful thing if you've not done it before. And and you've got to download new software for your Mac and do it all then. And it took me three attempts to dial the number. Um, and the final time I got all the way through to putting in my PIN code and I put in the wrong code and ended up in the wrong meeting, which was embarrassing. Um, so not only did I turn up halfway through a meeting I was expected to, I turned up halfway through a meeting that no one knew who I was or why I was there. Oh, well. So take care dialing your numbers. That's another piece of advice. <laughs> yes. And don't They're for- all speaking German, it was fine. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> and don't forget to MOT your car. 
yeah, that's always a good thing. Or buy your parking permit or, you know, leave your cars and your keys in the right country. And vote. So if, you, if you live in the UK, you must vote. Yeah, the, I, I'm, okay, I will put my, my cards on the table here. I think on Monday we will not have a government yet. Yeah. So traditionally, for our American listeners, the UK isn't a country where we have a nice long transfer of power. The UK is a country where, traditionally, if you as a standing prime minister lose the election, you find out at about, you probably guess about midnight, and at 7am the removal trucks are there at the house to take your stuff away, and the new guy's moving in that day. It's overnight. So the last time there was an election, I was sharing a flat with you, Daniel, and um, we waited for a week for some sort of government to be formed, which never happens in the UK, and a government was formed in the time that you were in the shower. So I think this is going to be very similar we're not going to have an election on Monday, but by the end of next week, we'll have a minority Labour power supported informally by the SNP. Those are my cards on the table. All right. What's your bet? Yeah, I don't know. Something, something quite similar. I think, I think the way that the major parties relate to the SNP is going to be pivotal mm-hmm. to the... Uh, the medium-term future of the UK. It's going to be interesting. And by the way, I'm going to edit this after Thursday, so I'll cut this bit out if uh, we're wrong. It's great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> powers. It's all lies in broadcasting. <laughs> it's been a great chat, Daniel. <laughs> Indeed, John. I hope to see you soon. Let's have a guess on the next podcast uh, yeah. if we're off. That sounds very good. Um, we will speak to everyone again in two weeks. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We, um, well, I am going to make this promise that we're going to start posting on Facebook more than just when a new episode comes out. We need to start doing that. We're going to try that. If we start trying to engage with you guys on social media, please try and engage with us too because it's incredibly dispiriting if it's a one-way thing. Um, and we know you're listening, your right? Like, that's the thing. We know you're listening. So you care somewhere in the <laughs> deep little dark place in your heart you care about us so so tell us you care about us tell your friends you care about us and they can listen as well um, and we will speak to you in the next